God bless you this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 verse 38 is our text this morning where we're going to read. Matthew chapter 5 verse 38. And as you're turning there, Matthew chapter 5 is a, this, what we're about to read, it's a very familiar portion of scripture. It is a, I'm sure many of you have read it before and it's quite simple, it's quite straightforward to understand. And uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, you read this verse, it's like, oh yeah, that's easy, that makes sense. But I'll be honest, there's some parts of the Bible that you read and it's kind of like, man, that just doesn't make sense. And it requires a lot of prayer, requires hours of study. And so you read it and it's like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But then you read it again in a, another season of life and God drops revelation. It's like, man, just in a second and you understand it. That's the power of the Bible. That's the power of God's word. Hebrews 4 verse 12 talks about this. And the scripture we're reading this morning, because the reason why I said that is because the verse that we're going to read is we do understand. And a lot of Christians do understand Scripture, but I find the struggle isn't understanding. The struggle is applying. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. It's like, oh, yeah, that's good. We understand it, but it's another thing to apply it. Amen. And so let's go into the Scripture today because this portion of Scripture, this story deals and reveals a spirit of a true Disciple Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not there, say hold on. Okay, we'll hold on until Jesus comes back. <laughs> amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. And it reads this. Jesus is speaking and he says, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek... Turn the other to him also. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning you speak to us as a church. I pray, God, that you transform us by renewing our minds through your word. Challenge us, convict us, change us this morning. I pray, God, that your word find room on good soil today. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. So I want to preach a message from this thought, second mile, second nature. Second mile, second nature. Because this message deals and reveals a spirit of a true disciple. Number one, let's consider consumerism, Christianity. Consumerism, Christianity. So let's talk about getting the context behind this text here because we need to get a deeper understanding as to not only what Jesus is saying, but who is Jesus addressing? Who is Jesus delivering the message to? And so we need to back it up. We need to back this truck up a bit back to verse 1 because we find out who Jesus is speaking to. Verse 1 says this, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Get that right. His disciples came to him, then he opened his mouth, and he taught them Jesus is addressing his disciples many times and I've read this verse of scripture many times I assumed that Jesus was just addressing the crowds I thought oh Jesus is speaking to the multitudes where in fact scripture shows us Jesus is teaching his own disciples so from chapter 5 chapter 6 chapter 7 Jesus is preaching he's teaching his disciples and as he concludes his sermon 
He gives a parable or this story, right, of a wise man who builds his house on the rock and a foolish man that builds his house on the sand. Verse 7, uh, sorry, chapter 7, verse 26, but everyone who hears the sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so Jesus goes from chapter 5 and his Sermon on the Mount is addressed to his disciples. And he ends it with the story and says, after all that I've said, after all that I've spoken and taught and, and preached to you, listen, if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to make it through the storms of life, if you're going to see it through, listen, you've got to do what I've told you. You've got to live what you've learned. Can I get a witness here this morning? There's a difference, right? There's a difference when you hear preaching and you leave this place. It's a challenge. Now, am I going to live what Jesus has spoken? Am I going to do what Jesus is saying? And this is where people can get religious. This is where people can really become the Sunday Christian. This is that consumerism Christianity. They just come to church on Sunday and never practice what is preach never doers of the word is what James 1 verse 22 talks about we ought to not only be hearers but we ought to be doers amen we ought to not just come to church but there's a difference when someone is authentic when someone is a genuine disciple there's a spirit about them there's something about their lives that they're living this faith they're living they're walking they're doers of the word of God there's something different and when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, there were a group of people who actually wanted to eavesdrop on Jesus' teaching. And the Bible tells us in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 7, And so it was when Jesus had ended his sayings, that all the people were astonished at his teaching. They were, they were amazed at his teaching, for he taught them, meaning he taught his disciples, as one having authority, not as the scribes. And so the Sermon on the Mount wasn't to the crowds it was directed to his disciples he wanted his disciples he wanted to separate them from the crowd and get them up on a mountain because he wanted his disciples to know the difference between the crowd and being a disciple the crowd were the believers. The crowd were those that made up this particular uh, people that made up this crowd. These were people who believed that Jesus was a healer. They believed that Jesus was a miracle worker. Heal me, Jesus. God, deliver me from my demons, Jesus. God, help settle my disputes, Jesus. God, bless me, Jesus. This is the crowd. This is the people. These are the believers. They wanted Jesus to touch their lives. But when Jesus did, most of them didn't follow Jesus. They went back to the fields. They went back to the fishing. They went back to the sheep. And this is where it is. He called his disciples because his disciples were intended to be different, to be set apart. Consumer believers are those who want to get what they can have. And Jesus teaches his disciples, give up what they have. Amen. Jesus was teaching his disciples. It's not about what you can get for your lives. It's about giving up their lives. Amen. This is the culture we live in. Oh, you got to get what you can. Get what you can. Jesus saying, man, lose your life and you shall find it. Man, Jesus is teaching this cross-cultural, you know, message to say, hey, listen, you want to be great? Serve. If you want to be a disciple, listen, you got to carry your cross. Wow, what kind of Jesus is this? And this is the Christianity people live, but many people live this consumerism Christianity. Don't, don't you infringe on my rights. 
Don't, don't you dare come in because I'm just going to come to church on Sundays, do what I can, feed me, burp on your way at the back and leave the way the same you came in. And God will never change you. God will never transform you. You'll never grow because you're just part of the crowd. And there's a huge difference to just being a believer and a disciple. The consumer mindset is what can this church do for me? What can I get from this church? But a contributor is a disciple that decides, man, I'm going to lay down my life. What can I do to serve? It's now this moving that goes from an inward disciple that says, I'm not just going to do and just come to church. I want to be in church. That's a spirit right there of a true disciple. Matthew chapter 5, all the way through to Matthew 7, Jesus talks about certain topics. And he's addressing it to his disciples. He's talking about murder and adultery beginning in the heart. He talks about loving your enemies. He's talking about fasting. These are all the topics he's saying to his disciples. He says, lay up treasures in heaven. You can't serve God and riches. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He tells them, he teaches them, do not worry. He's showing them, hey, don't judge. He's showing them, listen, the narrow path is difficult. He tells them, you shall know them by their fruits. And then he closes it up. I never knew you. And then he talks about after all these things, you got to do it. And so the spirit of a true disciple is someone who is separate from the crowd, is someone that decides, I'm going to go the second mile. And that's what I'm talking this morning, the second mile, second nature. So let's consider secondly this morning, second mile, second nature. Because we now that we understand the context, let's look at the text. Because Jesus is teaching his disciples this very, very important lesson in verse 38. He says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus is quoting Exodus 21, 24 right here, where it was lawful for them to do justice when someone else has done them injustice. For example, if someone had hurt your family, it is rightful for you to now go and hurt one of their families. This was their tradition. This was the law back in those days. And so Jesus says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. This is what first mile disciples will do. He's wronged me. I'm going to go pay them back. This is the first mile. But Jesus says in verse 39, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also to him. Jesus wanted to teach his disciples. And I believe God is teaching us today. Go the second mile. Offer the other cheek. Pastor, what does it look like? Pastor, what are you talking about? To go the second mile off of the other cheek. Well, Jesus actually describes just a few verses down what it means and what it looks like. Matthew 5 verse 43. Listen to this. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this is the second mile right here. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Pastor, you have no idea what these people have done to me. Pastor, you have no idea what I've been through in my life. I've, I've come from this place and you just don't know, understand my culture. I've come from culture. I come from PNG. And there's so many different things that happen. It's like, man, I'm seeing it all throughout. Now people get so offended and our people get so embittered by these things. And they live their lives in the first mile. 
Their lives just consider of what I need to do on a day-to-day basis. Just going down life through life. Just going through life. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to convict the people of God to say, Hey, listen, there's got to be a time where you got to move from your first mile of just doing life. And moving into the supernatural. Moving into the second mile to say, Listen, I'm going to love them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to pray for them. I mean, this is cross going beyond for what people could do. And Jesus was talking to his disciples saying, listen, you've heard it said before, this was the law, but I'm going further. Jesus is calling his disciples, listen, you got to walk the extra mile. When it comes to you being offended, go the extra mile. When it comes to you being persecuted, go the extra mile, turn the other cheek. Why is it? Because you're reflecting the love of God. You're reflecting Christ's nature. You're reflecting who he is. You're reflecting the God that we serve. God, is it that you want me to go through it? I'll go the second mile. I'll go the second mile. I love those enemies. I'm telling you, Jesus could have preached this to the crowd, but he was like, no, no, no. I need need my disciples to understand this. You see, being a disciple of Jesus is difficult. People are going to offend you. People are going to tick you off. People are going to do you wrong. But are you just going to be a first mile disciple and say, I'm going to repay them back? Come on. You need to go the second mile. Verse 40, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Jesus was saying, listen, you got to go the extra mile. And the Apostle Paul explains the behavior of a disciple in Romans 12 verse 9. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. The word abhor is Latin, which is, comes from uh, the word abhorre, which means to shrink back in horror. It is the strongest way in English to express hatred even stronger than loathe. And so Paul is saying you got to hate evil with such passion. you got to put aside this evil and say, man, I'm going I'm to cling to what is good, which is what the scripture says. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Verse 11, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on the high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Verse 17 says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably. I mean, this is the Bible. Are we going to be doers of the word to live peaceably with all men? Verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, listen to this, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good you know there's a saying that goes you know what don't don't turn into a dragon because of another dragon in fact if someone's coming to you and they're a dragon you know don't turn into one because their spirit can come upon you and then you can now begin to operate in that arena so you got to allow you know what god deal with my heart how do i respond 
So the second mild disciple decides to live out Proverbs 15 verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If you want to grow this year, if you want to mature this year, listen, let the second mild spirit be second nature. Why don't you just get angry? You know, you, you hear people, why don't you just retaliate? Why don't you just speak the words, those harsh words back to them? No, because it's the Spirit of God that's within me and I choose to walk by faith and not by my flesh. Come on, somebody. The second mile disciple is a Spirit-filled disciple. And only a few people understand the second mile spirit. Come on, let the church develop second mile spirits where people of God choose to go above and beyond marching towards a better future even in the face of adversity even in the midst of persecution let the church rise up and say listen I'm not going to bow down to your kind of level I'm going to live according to the word of God I'm not going to repay evil for evil come on and in verse 41 Jesus says and whoever compels you to go one mile go with him too Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Go the second mile. Whoever compelled you to go one mile. Jesus was referring to the current climate of that time when he said this. Rome was enforced. Its rule over people of Israel. Rome had maintained this army of Roman soldiers that was stationed throughout the country. And according to the law, this Roman law, a Roman soldier could require a Jew, Jewish citizen to carry his pack for him for a distance for one mile. And the law obligated them to this first mile of servanthood. So if a Roman soldier saw this Jewish man walking, he'd say, hey, listen, I want you to carry this. And it's by law, this Jewish man would now have to carry this Roman soldier's pack for just one mile. Just one mile. And there were roads that were marked upon the side so that people can stick to these laws and be like, yep, I'm done. My, my, my one mile is done. Sweet. Because we find this example in Matthew 27 verse 32, Simon of Cyrene, the man who was made to carry the cross for Jesus. These Roman soldiers told him, listen, you need to carry the cross. Now, there are two ways of obeying and, you know, being commanded by a soldier to carry. You can either one grudgingly accept it or to graciously and cheerfully accept it the grudging acceptance is like one that you know you tell your little child to go in the corner sit down be quiet and so in them you know what they've got this bad attitude they're crossing their hands they're sitting down but on the inside they're still standing up or you can graciously and cheerfully accept it and go further go the extra mile you know, first mile things are just obligations. They're just ordinary things. But the second mile was seen as an opportunity. The Lord was teaching his disciples that as they go down the road of life, they are to look at the tasks that are given, even the unfair ones, as opportunities to serve others cheerfully and reflect the love of God. Reflect the love of Christ even in our attitudes. This message isn't one to be understood. This is a message that needs to be put in practice. I mean, this message is not just one to be like, wow, good sermon, pastor. Yeah, go the second mile. It needs to be second nature. 
It needs to be for the church because I guarantee you this, it'll change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll change the way your children begin to grow up because you're teaching them. It's not just doing the bare minimum. You're teaching them the extra mile is where God blesses. The second mile, are you a second mile disciple even in the place of your employee? I just work from nine to five, so I just got to get up. But you see, promotions are those awaiting for those. Blessing is awaiting for those who decide to go the extra mile. To say, I'm not working for you. I'm actually working for the Lord. Work is unto the Lord. Some people just get to work just on time or some people don't even rock up to work. I was one of them. I'm guilty. <laughs> I'm just feeling a bit sick today. <laughs> Corona. <laughs> Come on, man, disciples, men of God, women of God, let's have a conviction when it comes to this and say, man, I need to be a second mile disciple because it's a spirit that comes within us, the spirit of God. And I guarantee you this, that if you begin to be a second mile disciple, where you begin to develop it through prayer and you go the second mile, not just to be like, oh, five minutes, I'm done. You just wait in his presence until he speaks to you. You wait in His presence until God gives you a direction. You wait in His presence until God says, listen, it's time for you to speak to a brother at work about the situation. God speaks to you when you begin to wait that second mile. God is calling second mile disciples. God is calling second mile people to, who are willing to step out of the boat, step past the first mile and into the supernatural. Are there any second mile disciples that will be leaving the comforts of the boat and say, God, wherever you are, even if it's difficult in a storm, I'm coming to you. God, I'm leaving this first mile behind because I know God in the supernatural areas where you function. Come on, are there any people that are willing today to say, God, I'm refusing the shallows. You're calling us into deep. Launch out into the deep. Come on, can anybody realize and say, God, I'm hearing your voice. Step out into the second mile. Leave the shallows and get into the second mile. Because in that second mile is breakthrough for your marriage. In the second mile is breakthrough for your family. In the second mile is breakthrough for your business. Come on. Where people decide to have a conviction and say, I'm not just going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to serve. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go by faith, not by sight. I'm going to live not by my flesh, but live by the Spirit. It'll change churches. It'll change the way church functions where people decide to be a second mile disciple. It's not, Pastor, what do you want me to do? Pastor, it's, man, I want to do this. Can I, is there anything I could do to serve? Is there any, those are the second mile disciples. Not waiting to be told. Are you willing to lay down your life and say, God, are you calling me into deep? Even when I don't understand it. God, are you calling me to do further things? God, it's going to be hard. Yes, it will be. But listen, narrow is the gate that leads to life. Listen, that I'm telling you, the broad path is the one mile. But you got to find a second mile and say, God, I'm entering that narrow path. Even when my friends and family forsake me, God, I'll follow you. I'm going to live in the narrow path, the second mile that leads to life. Now, going the second mile is humility. You know, to be a servant, to carry someone, it's, it's an inconvenience. It's an inconvenience. You're telling me to go the second mile. I remember my pastor wanting to raise disciples very early in the church. And he's like, you know what, Bobby, if you're going to be a preacher, if you're going to be, you know what, because I was telling him, I say, you know, I want to be a preacher one day. And he was like, you know what, you've got to come to morning prayer. Now, I worked in Northlex, which was probably half an hour drive to Strathpine. Now, I could just be like, you know what, no, I need, you know, my work's closer. I can just go five minutes straight to work. I go out my way to go to the prayer. 
And, so, and God was speaking to me, hey, Bobby, are you, are you willing to go that extra mile? To develop conviction, to develop a, uh, a submittance to your godly headship, to be like, hey, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll listen. I'll follow through. And God was dealing with me in my heart to say, listen, you know, Christianity is, is, is really surrendering your life to the will of God. Are we going to be obedient? Are we going to surrender and say, you know what, God, I'm taking a place of humility, even in inconvenience, to serve you, to live for you? Can we be second mile? Let it become second nature. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through to 55. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And, mercy, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Listen, a blessing comes when you begin to decide to be a second mile disciple. When you say, you know what God, my soul magnifies in you. My soul rejoices in you. Because you've regarded the lowly state of a maidservant, a servant that is willing to do whatever needs to be done. Jesus was teaching his disciples not to be great, but to serve. Jesus was teaching his disciples not what you can get, but what you can give up. Will you be a second mile disciple? Will you love those enemies? Will you begin to lay down your life for God's call? Second mile disciples, God is calling you to deeper. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Second mile, second nature. It'll change your life. When you begin to obey God. I believe God is ministering to us and you know, just even just writing this sermon just throughout the last, last couple of weeks, God's just been dealing with me about this second mile. Just for me personally, you know. Personally, God's been speaking to me about this. He said, are you going to be a second mile preacher to give yourself? Give yourself to these people. To give yourself to study. I don't want to settle for just the first mile and just be, oh yeah, nice church, good, good. God, God wants to call us deeper because he wants us to grow. Amen. Amen. I want to give an invitation this morning. Maybe you're here today, just like we do every service. You're here this morning and you're not saved. You're not right with the Lord. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. I want you to think about this very carefully. Where would you spend eternity if you were to die? Where will you spend eternity if you were to die today and you stand before God on judgment? Because he'll either say these words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. Or he'll say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. Now we can come to church, sing the songs, wear nice dresses and suits, and at the end of the day, does Jesus know us? Does he know you personally? And if you're here this morning, God loves you. He sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. He took your sins, my sins. He took our shame, our guilt upon himself on the cross. And he loved us so that we don't have to spend eternity in hell, but eternity in heaven. If that's you this morning, you be real and be honest. You say, yep, that's me. I'm not right with the Lord. Won't you lift your hand with mine and say, yes, that's me. God bless you. Anyone else want to lift your hand with his honest heart? Say, yes, I'm not right with the Lord. Lift your hand this morning. You're, not, you're here today. Maybe you're backslidden. You once walked with the Lord. 
You once had a relationship with Jesus, but you've fallen away. You've gone your own way. You've slidden back into your own ways. Once you raise your hand as well, say, yep, that's me. Pray for me. I'm, I'm not right with God. I, I need to get saved. I need to give my life to Jesus. I've been living my life my own way. God loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to heal your backsliding spirit. He wants to give you a hope and a future. Most, most importantly, He wants to give you eternal life.